Good morning, it's the 15th of October, and you are listening to The Big Kickoff. Good morning, welcome to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. My name's Roy Shanahan, and sitting across from me is David Bugger. Yeah, man. Dave, lot of football on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I hope people like football. Today. <laughs> <laughs> it's now getting away from it. Um, it's a bit rugby, but a lot of football. Yeah, yeah, and a few. There was other sports around this week, but yeah, it's, it's very hard to get away from it this week. It seems to be in most of the big stories. Uh, so yeah, we 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 won't tease anyone, but yeah, pretty much it's going to be quite football heavy yeah. today. Yeah, sure, we've mixed it up over the weeks, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's on the show? We have Marco Sullivan, a uh, lovely man from Cork, who is now playing his trade professionally as a coach over in uh, Sweden. We had him uh, a recorded interview we did uh, d- during the week, and uh, fascinating insight into kind of how we're coaching our kids nowadays. You know, very much kind of going right. We're forcing them to like. Train, we should be training them like kids instead of like adults and they're trying to rip up the real book over there and it'll be very interesting to see how it comes to fruition hopefully over the next few years but uh, fascinating some stuff uh, there's some very fancy language so listen carefully yeah it's pre-recorded from, from the other day and as you said it's very interesting yeah. to, to look deeper into the, into the coaching side of things and the, the mentality yeah. on coaching that some people do have. That's a good mentality and yeah. some people don't have. And you can, you can see that yourself anyway yeah. when you're out there. But no, it's an interesting read. And as I said, it's, there's a lot of simple enough stuff and it sounds simple, but a lot of it is not done and we're all trying to overcomplicate it. So it's very interesting to listen to him. And this guy is in the professional ranks and this kind of the way forward in Sweden. So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, because um, they've, they've changed. Yeah. Well, AIK, anyhow, who was with, have changed mm. the, the the dynamic of what way they're raising their academy yeah. players. So that will be interesting. Our first song... Uh, our first song is All Twins, as Ireland's own as we always do, and this is Thank You. And welcome back to the big kickoff. All Twins. Good song. Yeah, it's a good tune. Good band. Check them out. Football, it looks like. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, we'll start with cycling. Okay, so I'll start with cycling. Sam Bennett, Ireland's finest. We all know him well, yeah? I only know him because you told me on the way in the yeah. car. Uh, tour of Turkey at the moment. Uh, five stages, and he's won four out of five. Four out of five Four out stages. of five. But in general classification, I couldn't even find him. He's way behind. Because the one that he didn't win, I think it was a mountain stage. I think he was about 15, 16 minutes behind. So, yeah, he's not going to be winning the yellow jersey in it. But uh, right. I'm sure it's good money because winning stage is a big business for the, for these lads in, as an individual. Like, So, yeah, he's won four out of five. You can't go wrong there, no, can you? Happy days, yeah. 
So he'll have to he'll have to have a good look at himself and, and why why he struggled in the in the in the in the big one. Well, as we talked before with with cycling, there's kind of horses with horses, and he could be a, a sprinter, I presume, with the fact that he's won four out of five. So he could be an up and coming guy that's going to be kind of a, a stage winner in in the big tours. Hopefully, sometime next year with a bit of luck. But uh, yeah, he's a bit one of the kind of lesser teams, but at the same time, his stock definitely will be he'd be definitely looked at for the bigger teams at this stage. Four out of five, it's four impressive stuff. Not bad, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Cork City I wouldn't give it to them at this stage it's, it's unbelievable isn't it Yeah it's unbelievable how they haven't got over the line at this stage yeah. And we were looking at the league table um, From when Sean Maguire left Yeah And it's Out of eight games Dundalk have played Or have won six Drawn, drawn two. two I think they've scored 21 goals And let in two Right, Cork have Cork have play, played eight, won two, drawn two, lost four, scored five goals, let in eight. They've a minus three goal difference. Yeah. So, I mean, does that show you that he has been? And I was talking to Lisa, yeah, Fallon, who was on the show, uh, technical analysis, and she says he was just a league above the rest. You he know, obviously was he obviously was that, and it shows you know, because. When he first went over, you're kind of thinking, that's great, another Irish lad over, but how good is he? That's a lot of goals, an impressive scoring record. And yeah, the proof is in the pudding now. You have to look back and look, City are a very ordinary team. Yeah. And Pat Caulfield would be very nervous. You'd be looking at next Regardless year. of winning the league title this year, I wouldn't be overly proud of it with the way it's finished. If he was a true, true manager, like your Alex Ferguson's and all these guys would be pig sick winning that league trophy. Yeah. In a weird way, even though it doesn't make sense. Well, obviously they'd be delighted. Yeah. But, I but t- in his own, he won't admit it. But in his own world, he'd be like, "What the hell?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He's got to be. And uh, of course, yesterday Maguire had a, a crazy day. Yesterday, he set up a lovely goal, scored a goal, you know, jammy goal. He basically got in the way of another guy hitting a shot, and it kind of bounced off him. But then he went off with a bit of a hamstring strain. So unfortunately, he mightn't be able to put pressure on the the boys for the for the next squad for obviously the playoffs, which we'll no doubt talk about in a little while. Oh, well, we're gonna have a, a talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't develop enough the last time, so yeah, yeah. Um, boxing, George Groves. Remember, we were talking about the World Series of Boxing. Oh, yes, yes. He did a fourth round stoppage yesterday. Great body shot. So he's up against Eubank Junior now in January in the semi final stage. Oh, he is. Yep. When does that? When is that one? Uh, January. Jan- oh, I didn't give a date. All right. Yeah, no, just uh, it's just a uh, January bout. I think they kind of have a, a month for every for whatever but January is when the, the semi-final stage is right. so of course afterwards he squares off in the ring and of course yeah Eubank has an Apache of me and blah 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 and no doubt it'll all start off now so this will be a proper proper test for Eubank so it'll be his first kind. in my opinion I think it'll be his first proper test so we'll just see how much promise he actually has but yeah nice fourth round stoppage nice body shot took him clean out uh, Cox is his name another British guy so it sh- should be interesting but my, my pick is Callum Smith still on the other side of the draw I think he's Mean and nasty. I think he's proper power. You think he could upset the two of them? Yeah, no matter who got He's part of the Smith brothers. There's, I think there's, there could be forty four of them, but I think there's four of them in the professional game. Okay, but this guy is. I think he's a big banger of a puncher, and I think he he could be the guy to win this. To be honest, um, I haven't seen much of the boxing. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't get to see. See, a lot of them aren't in the stereotypical channels anymore, so it's a lot harder. It is, isn't it? And I think that's why potentially the likes of Frantum and all 
fell out with McGuigan. McGuigan was always into trying to get them back on terrestrial TV. One, because of the exposure, and two, it's actually more money, which you wouldn't think. You would think it'd be more money in Sky, but it's actually not. Right. You know, he had one fight on UTV, and it was like a 10 million audience compared to maybe a million on Sky. And then, of course, advertising, it's a lot bigger, which I didn't get at all. I really thought it'd be more money in Sky, but it actually wasn't. So, you know, it's it's not in the mainstream anymore, unfortunately. Um, so it's a lot harder. You know, it's very much and like myself. Like I, I know about them all, but I wouldn't say as much as much as I would like. There's all different types of platforms and channels and pay per view things now that they're all on, and even ITV are getting in. I think they have a box office channel now as well. Yeah, they have. Yeah, but again, some of the fights they have, would you bother? Exactly. A lot of them are overhyped. You kind of have to pick and choose, and then of course you're still afraid. Like we said about McGregor and Mayweather, you like I have to buy it because just in case, you know, that's how they get you. You know, Scotland. Oh hi. Gordon Strachan got the sack. Ah, uh, his excuse. He deserved to be sacked after. Um, what was the excuse? They're genetically smaller. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, yeah. That was literally what he went with, first. But they had a couple of people who were, I suppose, talking about him and who was going to replace him and mm. who's the favourites and, and what have you. I think David Moyes, he was on radio. Yeah, David Moyes, He's been Craig Levine. Okay. All the usual candidates. You don't want to go for Craig Levine. No. Was, he, was he not in there before? Oh, he was. He was in there before. Alex McLeish. Uh, I'm sure Ali McCoy is probably on the list. I'm, I'm making this up, but I know Alex McLeish was on it. I know Moyes is on it. I think Levine was mentioned as well. No doubt McCoy. I'd say they're all there. Anyhow, we have uh, Ali McCoy and Charlie Adam were talking about who should be the next Scottish manager. Oh, listen, it wouldn't bother me one more in the slightest. And I'm probably a little bit biased, but if Big Sam, and I know Big Sam well, if Big Sam could come up to Scotland, he's a great manager. Big Sam is a very, very good manager. Close, close and I know, uh, yeah. what, what, what do you think about us? Will the SFA shoot Reagan? Will they go and say to Walter? Will they go and say to Alex Ferguson and get a committee together and ask their opinion on who it should be? I, I would agree with you. I think I think that's what they should do, because yeah. with the greatest respect, I think that you know the, the confidence has been knocked from from the SFA, from 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 the Scottish football supporter. But the one thing you would think that the, the Scottish football supporter has is confidence in people that they know have done well and could do well, and that yeah. would certainly be Sir Alex and Walter Smith. And, yeah. and you know something, Charlie? Why would you not ask them? So. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you just finish it down it there. I'll keep. I'll, I'll, I'll fill this in. Um, it's a bit. I'm feel a bit. I feel a bit sorry for him because he actually finished quite strong. Like they had no right to be in that playoff uh, run until they got the finger out. And I think they won four out of the five, and they drew one against England. So he was kind of turning it around, and obviously getting to the playoff would have justified it. But yeah. um, dress it up all you want. Well, I have. What's the point in going to the the, the big? Like, to, I don't. Big. I don't. You're not a fan of Big Sam, anyway, are you? Oh, you know, I sure. You probably heard me. Jeez, I love to punch him in the face. I said because yeah. I just no. Like he's good at what he does, but no, he's not top level. I don't care what anyone says. He's not. But he's he does get his, good he friends. does get his teams who are yeah. li- and why they're talking about him is they, mm. he does get his teams who are limited to play yes. a more maybe structured game, but mm. more definite definitive game yeah, in fairness he has a place but I like Scotland I don't, and want, they do raise I don't, their, I don't want to dislike Scotland because of him 
Yeah, but it, that's just me. Scotland don't give a crap if they're disliked. They want to get through. They haven't been through oh, major finals in how long? Everyone does. So, but Chris Sutton, <laughs> good old Chris, absolutely slaughtered. He sits on the fence. Yeah, he slaughtered him. Um, and it's yeah, you might he might have a point. He says, really, what Gordon said after the Slovenia game <laughs> to have no regrets. Well, come on, Gordon. You picked the wrong team against Lithuania. This was 10 days after Celtic played against Man City in the Champions League. Their players are in top form. He got a wrong in Slovakia. And then, he, then all the genetic stuff. He should be sectioned after that. <laughs> Eileen McCoyst is not the biggest. Kenny Dogleash, Jinky Johnson. Gordon's uh, tracking himself. Gordon's tracking himself. He went with the English-based teams and he got a wrong. And the responsibility has to go with him. When he started to put Celtic players in the side, they started to get results. So to come out and say he has no regrets is just stubborn, pig-headed and rubbish. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, I'm not trying to defend him and I'm only kind of coming up with my own opinion. Maybe he didn't want to go safety force and go with Celtic because he didn't want to be looking to be biased because he's probably, you know, being that Scottish manager now. Oh, we have to play the game here because... Is Unfortunately, not, like all sport, it's all bloody political nowadays. Just yeah, pick the bloody strongest team. Not, and if it's all Celtic, so what? Is that not a failure then, being a manager? Of course so. Because you have to manage yeah, them situations. Because he's thinking about other people's opinions, potentially. Yeah. I mean, he didn't start Lee Griffiths in the first, I don't know how many games. At the moment, in my head, he's the only Scottish striker I can think of. Yeah, I know. So, exact, why exact is he not same. playing? Simple as that. Yeah, it's simple. So, he probably got what he deserved in the end. I mean, yeah. it, again, he's not. it's very hard to be fond of Garden Strachan at times because he, mm. he, he is... He's a little bit arrogant and, you know, when he's doing his interviews and stuff like that. So it's very yeah. hard to be on his side. But he's, he hasn't got through on two qualification campaigns. Yeah. So that means goodbye, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he failed in, in Earl's group in the last one um, when it was there for the taking. And he kind of managed to bring them back, but it was still hard work. An awful start. Um, threw away the lead against England. So yeah, no, he has to go. Simple as that. Yeah. Next. Um, Bruce Dortmund. Okay. Yusufa Mukoko. Mukoko. They always say on Sky Sports and stuff <laughs> like that, if you don't know what the pronunciation is, just say it with confidence. Yusufa Mukoko. Yeah. Does Bruce sound. Dortmund. Uh, <laughs> Still doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a coffee or something. <laughs> um, their new wonder kid, 12 years of age. Well, when I say that, I'm going to use inverted commas. Allegedly, he's 12 years of age. There's, okay. a few, uh, there's a bit of a, a tizzy over there at the moment oh. of his age. He's playing for their under-17s at the moment. He's got 16 goals in seven games. And, yeah, allegedly, he's a 12-year-old. Um, but I think Lars Ricken, ex-Dortmund lad who's involved, yeah. is quite confident he's not. And oh. he's out throwing up an old hornet's nest there now. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I watched a couple of YouTube clips. Yeah, the guy looks tidy, you know, very good, silky, quite stocky looking wouldn't be the tallest so you kind of go right if he's saying it's 12 maybe but yeah they could be right so yeah there's a bit of a a bit of a furore going over there now about whether he's 12 or not that's interesting isn't but it but he's if he's as good as what he's doing so far he will make the senior team regardless anyway but I always remember uh, up at Femi Martins uh, he's 20 he said he was 21 or 22 at the time and I always remember Celestine Babiero coming out going um they were talking about when he's like, oh, he's one of the hot new prospects. He said, well, allegedly he's 22, but he was in the under 18s with me and I'm 29. No way. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? So you don't know. But yeah, he came from Cameroon at a small age and they reckon there could be a bit of discrepancy of a year or two. Now, they're not making a big scandal of it and he's, 
it's just what that's what he believes they are he is and whatever but um, obviously now that he's become successful and people are known they're starting to poke holes and it's one of them kind of things this thing seems to pop up quite a bit doesn't yeah. it the age so the, the Lazio guy who looked in his 50s and allegedly he was 17 yeah yeah. so yeah who knows but yeah he's the next one to watch so what story is got to sort out passport control coming out of Africa or what I've no idea when they arrive over or whatever and the, they lose the passport and yeah, then. we'll go with 12 we'll be for the I, I've no idea no yeah. idea um, I think we'll go to a break yeah and after the break we are going to talk some more football Lippy Sound 96.4 FM, it's the big kickoff, and you know that because you're listening in right now with your cup of coffee. Not in a donut. If you have a donut on, on this morning, that's our speciality. But, uh, <laughs> coffee if, you and have, if you have a donut, yeah, maybe you should think about your diet. 087 062 7138. If you want to text, get the te- text sent in to us. If there's any topics or anything that you want to talk about, get it on to us. Any sport you want, anything local, national, or international. Uh, you can talk to us about it. I just have a clip here, and I was just on the Scotland thing, because I, I actually had this clip. It was, it's funny because it's it, Alex McLeish went into Five Live mm. to talk about and he's one of the favourites, and they were talking to him about it, and he was kind of, you know, I, I, I want this job, you know, nearly, more or less, he's kind of saying he, he, he wants this job. And they talked about Sam Allardyce, and, mm. and they asked him the question, well, sh- should should Sam Allardyce... Here's the clip. No. <laughs> well, have a listen. Would you? Would you want? I mean, Sam Allardyce has been mentioned potential. Would you say uh, no? We've nothing against Sam Allardyce. We've tried the overseas manager. Tried Bertie Vokes. The Scotland manager has to be Scottish. Yeah, I believe so. So there's Sam, <laughs> right? Her, her Alex. I believe so. So no, I need to be deep about it. Her, no, no, no. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I believe so. And in other words. I want the job. He obviously voted leave. All right. <laughs> I can't think of the fella who's on with him, but he has a quick reply then. Have a listen. Can I, can I just make a point? Sam Adice would actually qualify to play for Scotland. And the, his father was a Scottish policeman, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Right. Who moved oh, down. Okay, right. they, um, I'm, when he was appointed England manager, I was dispatched to the black country to go and find the family to do that. roots. I, didn't re- and, I, I confess I didn't yeah, realise. took my passport yeah. with me. And, uh, and, and, and if he was a player now, he yes. could play for Scotland. Yeah. Well, that, as Alex so. was saying, the centre-halves are getting on a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the fact that he's been England manager might be more of something which precludes him than the fact that his dad was a Scottish... Uh, but he has got a point to prove. No. And certainly has. He's a journalist. <laughs> he's a journalist, yeah. And I think he does be on... He's be on Sunday Supplement. Sunday Supplement. Yeah. He's one of the better ones. But if you seeing Alex McLeish's face, it's like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, That's, how, dare how dare you bring that up? It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a British accent, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. Scottish, why, did, why did we ever talk ever so nice? <laughs> <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> um, Liverpool and Manchester United. Do you want I'm to talk let about you start because I can go a couple of different ways here. Okay. Um, certainly, massive questions raised, and my opinion on the Manchester side. There's when I we looked at the game yesterday. I sat down myself and Adam sat down. And we watched the game. 
And United started off the way I thought they were going to start yeah. off. I didn't think they were going to go too full on. I didn't think they were going to bombard. Up, kill the game, silence the crowd, all that kind of usual. But they early 15, 20 minutes. They weren't sitting back either. Yeah. They, they had the odd sort of counter attack, yeah. squeezed up three quarters of the way. So yeah. you can't, right, this is, this is fair enough. This is the way it is. But in all fairness, it turned out to be a game that was, and we'll talk about the Ireland game later mm. on. There is no no difference, no difference at all to the style that Manchester United played yeah. compared to Ireland. It looked just like Ireland with a bit more talent, I and it showed me. And it showed me that if Ireland had the talent, yeah, I actually because I used to think, or if Ireland had the talent, we better counter attack him. Yeah, but Man United have the talent. And they weren't. So that's going to be my argument down to your pretty coach. much all week when I have to listen to all the United fans talking about, like, that I have to, when I'm on the road, that they're all going to talk about what a tactical masterclass it was and this, that and the other. The usual kind of have to defend it. I but don't think anyone is no, going to. I'm telling you, they will because they hated him. Absolutely hate Mourinho playing that way with every other club he's been with. But now all of a sudden, it's not so bad because it's with them. Because that's what happens. And we probably do ourselves if he was at Liverpool. But that's literally the first thing that came to my mind yesterday. I said, they're playing exactly like Ireland and we all despise Ireland doing it. And they're a much better team. Yet, most, a lot of United fans will defend it, saying, we got away with a point. Brilliant. Blah, 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 blah. But deep down, it's no different to the way Ireland played and we can't stand Ireland playing that way. No. So I'm going to play a little thing here from um, Danny Mills. Yeah. He talked about Mourinho's tactics yeah. uh, yesterday. Whilst United came for a point and got a point and their fans are applauding the players and the players are, are applauding back. If you start the season like you have started and have been scoring goals and Liverpool have been a bit shaky, why not show more ambition? Because Mourinho's the manager and he will look at it across 38 games and go, right, what do we need to do to win the title? We're not going to win every single game, and we're certainly not going to win every single game 4-0. What do we need? We need to be defensively sound and not lose to our rivals and those around us. If we don't get beat, yes, we pick up a point, but we stop Liverpool from picking up three points. It's out there. We're away from home. I think some of the bookies had Liverpool slight favourites coming into this because they were at home. And it's what Mourinho does. It's his job. He's, he's, not, he's not looking at this as a one-off game. You know, he's just thinking, right, what do I need to get from this game to win the title? A draw against Liverpool, against my rivals, is enough. And, and I will take that. And that sounds actually plausible to the way that Mourinho's thought process is. Yeah, it does. But it doesn't take away from the fact that when you watch Real Madrid, yeah. Real Madrid played their game and they go at teams. Yeah. When you watched so far Man City this year, correct? They play their game and yep. go at teams, and, and obviously to a lesser extent, even Liverpool. Like Liverpool try yeah. to play their normal way because it's what they do. It's like right, we think this is the best way forward. Blah blah blah. You know, you'd obviously have a A's and B's and different plans, but uh, yeah, it all sounds plausible. But when you're listening to the build-up all week, including experts and us Muppet fans. Liverpool are there for the taking. They're wide open. We're scoring loads of goals. They have a leaky defence. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at it all week going, listen, this is going no other way than a Mourinho way. And he's going to suck the life out of that game and potentially nick it. But even the potentially nicking it, they didn't really try that hard. No. After about 20 minutes. No. I think uh, Lukaku, and it's nothing against Lukaku. Absolutely not. He, I think after an hour, 
I think the stack came up about most touches and he had the least. Mignolet had more touches. I think he only had something like 17 touches in after game, an hour. Yeah, and that wasn't his fault. That was the service put into him. But he looked a little bit lively at the start. He kind of blitzed past uh, Lovren at one point. Cross wasn't great. And then he kind of got a half a shot off that was kind of straight at Mignolet. And that was it. That's all he had. But a lot of the time, what happened was as the game progressed on, mm. even in the first half, when the ball went up to Lukaku, he knew that when he got on the ball, he was going to have to try and get on the ball, turn, go and attack Everything himself because there was no support there. So but, that's when he started losing the ball. Yeah. So Lukaku was made, and because they had this thing before the game, they were saying he hasn't scored against the big teams. Yeah, and of course, this is he chance was poor Man against Liverpool and, and Anfield and, and Everton. And he did have one chance, fair Some enough, he had one that. chance. But he... He just, yeah. I wouldn't be poking it wasn't, him. I wouldn't be poking him and yeah, it wasn't made for him, him at all. all. Far from it. But uh, it'll be interesting over the next six weeks because as far as I know, I don't know the exact fixture list, but I think you know you'd have pretty much most of the big boys over the next six weeks. So I'll be interested to see is this the way they're going to play the whole way through and dress it up all you want. It's still two points lost to Man City yesterday. Um, and they went out and absolutely massacred Stoke. Did you watch Man City? Yeah. It like was the Bruyne. Uh, they're all clicking. You can talk about how bad the defence may or may not be, but when they have the ball and they're attacking so much, they can concede two goals and still have a plus five goal difference in one game. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, people can go on about United scoring a lot of goals this year. It's at the bottom, it's against the chaff, and that's great. But let's see what happens now when they come up against your City Spurs and Arsenal's and Chelsea's over the next, as I said, six weeks. And it'll be interesting to see where they, they still are. And at the same time, you never know. Mourinho maybe isn't 100% sure about the team just yet. Maybe he's not overly confident, hence why... Like, there's two Achilles heels for, for Liverpool, and that's teams who park the bus and obviously their defence. And he still stuck with the tried and tested park the bus. See, that's what I'm saying. It's just his mentality. This Correct. is why he knows how to win leagues, yeah. and he doesn't care if yeah. it's in 20 years' We're not time. going to talk about how bad they were against Liverpool and Anfield. They'll no. go, oh, that was a well-earned draw in the end. They'll remember the four nils and yeah. the three nils. Oh, that was a well-earned won. draw, even though... As a United fan, if I was United, I'd be a little bit disappointed because it would have been nice to set a marker, our first big test of the year, show that we're bigger and stronger, we're back kind of close to where we should be, and instead they, they just played a typical Mourinho way. Yeah. Arsenal? I didn't see it, I'm going to be brutally honest. They were beaten 2-1. Yeah. They went 1-0 up through Paramere to Saka. And Watford... Watford touch and go whether it was a penalty probably not there yeah. wasn't a lot of uh, of a touch but Watford just kept going kept battling kept at them and Arsenal just look so frail it, it's not going to happen for them it's not no. going to happen I can't see tell you the truth I cannot see Champions League football yeah. for them again this year yeah. and they're going through what United did for the last couple of years they are going to struggle and Wenger I actually feel sorry for him now because mm-hmm. he's in a situation now that Players, are they playing for him? Are they not playing for him? And, yeah, you know. I think it's a bit of a 50-50. I think there is a bit of a down and tilts without a shadow of a doubt, unfortunately, for him, for some. And then some of these guys whose contracts are finished at the end of the year, like it's just all around. It just looks a bit of a shambles there. Yeah. You know, you're two of your better players. Well, one of them is should be a better player, as in Ozil. But Alexis Sanchez, without a doubt, is their best player. And he could be going on a free now. Or for £15 million on in January, because... City are maybe going to jump in ahead of everyone and get him on the cheek. Okay, well, I don't think they'll let him go. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. But they can't afford it because if they want any chance of sneaking into the, to the, to, to the top, top four, they have to. Yeah, so I can't well, see that, can you? No. Oh, no, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't. I mean, you have Spurs, probably Man United, yeah. Man City. It's a sad way f- for him to potentially go out. Yeah, it is. You know. uh, on Arsenal, just I've yeah. I, I seen this here, um, Paul Merson was on the league of their own. Did you see it? <laughs> 
<laughs> we played a clip of Paul Merson. Is, is this a him and Gaza? A him and Gaza. Gaza. <laughs> I, we're going to have a Gaza weekly, are we? Uh, yeah, so, too many stories, but we'll play it in, yeah. Uh, Paul, have you ever had a night in? <laughs> I do now. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> What's the most embarrassing night out you've had? Remembering it. <laughs> Didn't you live with Paul Gascoigne? Yeah, it me... sounds like the worst idea ever. If we had Brian Robson put him and Jimmy Firebellies with me and my brother, we all live together, yeah. I mean, come on. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that's a recipe for absolute disaster. Well, we used to play a game every day, bar Friday. We'd get back from training, we'd get my brother and Jimmy a load of money to go and get some bottles of red wine. We'd come back and put the red wine into these massive glass jugs. And then Gaz and my brother would sit on that seat. Me and Jimmy would sit on this seat. We wouldn't do it on a Friday because we played Saturday. Of course, yeah, that would be irresponsible. Load of, money, load of money on the coffee table. And then we'd start drinking red wine. And every hour we'd pop a sleeping tablet. And whoever fell asleep last year would pick the money up off the table. <laughs> <and we're dead>. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like clapping and laughing, but you can almost hear a few of them going, Jesus. Yeah, that's, he- that's heavy, isn't it? Yeah. But and we would do it on a Friday. Like, this wasn't... Because we're playing on Saturday. This wasn't a once-off. This yeah. is something they did weekly. And while he was at Borough, he was actually still in the England setup. Yeah. So he was still in good form and he was still in international. Like. And this is long after him coming out as an alcoholic. So he was obviously still battling the demons near the end of his career as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to Liffy Sound ninety six point four FM. Yeah, great song, isn't Classic. it? Ah, brilliant song. Oh eight seven oh six two seven one three eight. The big kickoff ninety six point four at gmail dot com. If you want to send any emails, music, any info, to Dave, work up. Go on. I suppose we have to dance around it, don't we? Oh, dear, we we go Ireland. Oh, no, 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 we'll get there in two or three minutes. But yeah, the, the merry-go-round it is the World Cup is kind of coming to an end now where um, Argentina pulled it out of the bag. Um, they were in a bit of threat and Lionel Messi showed up with a bank. Now, in fairness, Lionel Messi showed up for the last year because in the last 11 months, no one else has scored for Argentina. No, it's unreal, isn't it? You know, there was an OG. Yeah. i seen, the, yeah, I seen the team photo of all the goal scorers and it was just messy goalkeeper and everything as a team <laughs> yeah. so yeah so and it was a great hat-trick as well like two stereotypical messy finishes forced and they're still great goals but they're just messy finishes sort of ironically they're just ordinary and then the last one then was the com- football computer brain that clicked in because it was the only thing he could have done but more pretty much every professional wouldn't have done it they'd have just hit it hard but he was about to be blocked if he was about to be and he just Decided to dink it and lift it over yeah. the keeper from about 20, 22 yards. It was a super goal. And it gets them in. Um, Got them in, t- in toward place because yeah. they were in fifth or sixth. Was it? Well, more than likely, as long as they won, it was going to happen because a lot of the boys above them playing were playing each other. So yeah. it kind of worked in their favour. And of course, it blew up for Chile. They ended up sixth. They've missed the playoffs. So Sanchez won't be able to showcase his talents for potential transfers in the World Cup stage next year. And Vidal and amongst others, Chile are big. Well, do you know Chile what? Chile are big side. I'm delighted. Yeah. Because the way Sanchez <laughs> goes on, I'm delighted for him. So. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so and hold on. Just before we get on to it, Aaron, Aaron Robin or Iron Robin, <sighs> delighted for him too. Arto, go. <laughs> <laughs> go on. 
even like the second goal they needed seven goals and even after the second goal he still had to go off and celebrate like he was the greatest gift I was like pick the ball up and go again I nearly said a bow award there yeah D head but go and do it you know and then yeah. go around and parade yourself and this yeah. that and you're ugh whatever anyway Holland are gone um Australia beat Syria, so there won't be a, a Syria-America. But then again, America didn't exactly do themselves any favours. They are gone. Oh, jeez. Um, Trinidad and Tobago. Look at that, yeah. They, they, I think they had four points. They were literally they were bottom of that group, nothing. weren't they? Um, they went down there. A point would have worked. A point would have been enough to make the playoffs at the very least. And uh, yeah, we're beating 2-1. Dodgy OG went one up. And then an absolute cracker of a second goal. One of these kind of from a... He had no right to be shooting where he shot from. But as soon as it left his foot, you knew this has gone into the top corner. It was a cracker, but there was no one near him. Oh, no. And he just had a go. I don't know. I, I was looking at the keeper. I don't know. Should you be And beating? would you believe that's Tim Howard? Was that Tim Howard? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the US are gone. And ex-international Taylor Twellman, we all know and love him, is not in the least bit pleased. And this is our usual weekly slot now of an American pundit going <laughs> a little bit mad. This is Taylor Twellman. It's not about tonight. It's not about Jurgen Klinsmann. It's not just about Bruce Arena. As a whole, U.S. soccer is not prepared. They have not done a good enough job of getting this group ready to play. And keep in mind, the last two Olympics, no United States. Those players that would be playing in the Olympics, 24 through 28, how many of them are in this roster? The players got to be good enough, too. So a lot of people on social media right now want to say it's Jurgen Klinsmann's fault. It's Bruce Arena's fault. It's Daniil Galati's fault. By the way, as the next player, every single one of those players, they can take some nightmares yep. for the rest of their lives because this is an utter embarrassment with the amount of money that is in Major League Soccer and in this sport. You can't get a draw, a tie against Trinidad? Max, you don't deserve to go to the World Cup. They, they, they certainly did it. And people always say about it's tough to get points here, but I see Mexico oh, get come points. Come on. We can, we, we can stop using that excuse. Yes. This is, this is, you look at this team, you look at this. They're going to be sitting around next summer, and they're going to be watching this World Cup go on without them. So what does this program do? Is this this group, do you, do you blow it up? Do you this is everything, though, Max. Because so, I remind everyone, 2,000 euros, Germany laid an egg, and they all came together. Bundesliga, second Bundesliga, DFB, the German uh, Football Federation, all came together with a 10-year plan. Guess what happened in 10 years? They won that World Cup. If this failure does not wake up everyone from U.S. soccer to Major League Soccer, from pay to play to broadcasters to everything, then we're all insane. Because the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing, knowing the result. Love it. It's not. Love it. Love it. Uh, Taylor's facial expressions it's there's pain anger yeah and you're expecting to start throwing stuff around and actually wrecking the studio he is not in the best uh, now there's another one it's about a 10 minute one and it's actually from a previous qualifying game about 6 months ago Alexi Lalas that's a proper one to check out he literally calls out every player in the squad isn't that the one we put up yeah he destroys them all destroys them all and even Taylor 12 is saying it there yeah blame the coaches all you want the players are there to be shot at he says there's an arrogance in the team this, on another rant I watched again because because of this rant he ended up on practically every sports show for, for, for two or three days afterwards because they knew they were going to get gold out of him and he, he just said it's ridiculous like, you know there's no reason the resources and the money they have just for the region he's not saying they're world beaters this and the other they should be going toe to toe with the likes of Mexico 
Yeah. Every every qualification, they should be first and second, whatever order. That's fine. He can live with that. But he said the fact that they weren't even close, he said it's a disgrace. Yeah. And that is. And it, as you said, they only needed a tie. Yeah, a tie. <laughs> so yeah. They, if they got the draw, they were in. Yeah, they were in. And uh, yeah, so they're gone. Um, but sometimes, you know, it, it, when you look at Ireland or no, no, Scotland, I've had mm-hmm. too much, but England, yeah. Holland, when they don't make the World Cups, it shakes it up a little bit. Of course it does. You know, you go, hold on, stand back a bit. Hold on, we're not guaranteed so it to get you. It might now. be a good thing in the they long run. They might shake it up and kind of go, right, it's... They probably take it for granted that they're going to qualify every time and they make a bit of money because as as he said in a previous round, a lot of American armchair fans only literally turn it on every four years and as he said, they're going to turn it on next year and go, where are the US? Because a lot of them won't even realise that the US aren't even there yeah. until next June. So it's a big thing for the US to get to a World Cup. To try and generate interest in the whole lot. Iran are in, aren't they? Iran are in. Uh, Egypt are back for the first time since 1990. Mo Salah. Mo Salah penalty. What was it? Yeah. Now, tell me this. Yes. Because I've seen a few people putting up about Mo Salah. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. He needs to start. I thought he was excellent yesterday. What did I do? I don't get it. And he fatigued, obviously, because Damian he was playing those games. like a schoolboy. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I've always rated Darmian. But you see, I, I, I don't blame, I actually don't blame Darmian. No, he, I wouldn't he, either. Because Salah's, mo- most of his work came in when he drifted into midfield. Yeah. So he, he kept coming off the wing and coming in. and, and But anyway, he played for, for, with Egypt and yeah. basically got them through. He dragged them along, yeah. yeah. Bit so, Ronaldo-ish with Portugal and all that. And even now Messi with Argentina. Salah's doing something similar. He's their superstar. And that's all you need with a good solid team to just give you that little difference because that seems to be the difference with most international teams nowadays it's very much sure. if you have your little magic dust squeeze everything out with the other 10 be solid yeah and, and then, see what happens yeah okay talking about teams with magic dust uh, yeah which we'll we talk about one who doesn't have magic dust yeah Ireland Ireland yeah we don't unfortunately go and talk because I know this subject is something that you really want to uh, get your teeth into you know I thought it was a bit lazy last week. They had the knives out. They're ready to go. Not happy with the team. Blah, 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 blah. As soon as he got the victory, everything was sugar-coated afterwards. And they're thinking, ah, this is grand. And even the, the, the Dumphys and all that. And no, <laughs> here's his obituary. I put it in the bin. But like, no, stick to it. And stick to it. Yeah, we robbed the win. And I'm not ashamed to say it. We robbed that win. Um, but it, it was the best we could do. And I will never criticise the players and the whole lot. But, you know... It wasn't a great campaign. Um, thankfully, we're in a playoff and we're still fighting and we could end up there. So half of what you're moaning about was kind of like, is this point? Is there a point to this? But there is because I think it just, it's very hard to watch them every every month. But like, yeah, we, we were lucky. As brilliant as we were defensively, we got a great bit of luck about the way we hassled and harried. But... Uh, I, see, I don't think... I don't think we were lucky. Mm. I think... When you look at Martin O'Neill and we mm. talked about Mourinho, there was a plan that he put in place, mm-hmm. a plan that I necessarily don't agree yeah, with. Yeah, we don't like watching But it doesn't make a difference. His yeah. job is to get yeah. Ireland to a World Cup, to a European Championship, so yeah. that's fine. It's not a plan that I agree with mm-hmm. against certain teams because mm-hmm. the likes of Wales aren't amazing. Yeah, and if you put pressure, most- I mean, you look at Williams who was a disaster. Incredibly in, in, lazy, incredibly lax. Oh, unbelievable. Didn't seem to want that ball. And even when he lost, he didn't seem that bothered to chase it. And I'm like, this is for a work of placement. Yeah. Are, you, are we saying that... What are you doing? People are saying that we're not as good as Wales, but when we put pressure on them, they melt like any other team. Well, I think my biggest 
annoyance about Ireland. And these guys are getting paid a million, two million a year to do this. And it's like, that way we play football shouldn't be our plan A because pretty much 95% of who we play are on our level or worse. Yeah. There's only whoever in pot one in the group yeah. that are really better than us. And we played a horrible brand of football against people who are the same as us or below us. And as I said, 90 to 95% of our matches are then. I think it's terrible that we play that way. I, we have we can do that in our sleep nowadays. That's why I'm annoyed. We can play that way in our sleep because we have it for the last seven or eight years under the trap air and now O'Neill. We have it down to a T. We don't need to work on it. What we need to work on is enjoying the ball a little bit more and making it a little bit easier against these bloody teams who we should be on a level with and competing with. Like, we fell over that line. We should have topped that group no, when you look back. 100%. And I'm not trying to really give out about the lads because I'm not, but we should have won that group in the end. Yeah. If we were a little bit more positive, as I said, since take away the last two qualifiers, we I think we 10 points after four, dream start, and then the next four, I think we only had three points and three games at home. And we played like the away team in every one of them. Austria, don't lose. Yeah. Wales, Wales at home, lose. don't lose. And Moldova, we got the finger out for about 15 minutes and then yeah. went back and, to and the usual. And then sat back and, and let them have the ball. So this is yeah. what annoys me the most. It's that brand of football that they play against teams on their level and less and we play against them the majority of the times and that's what really it's not even the su- me. Yeah, it's not even the superior teams. Yeah. We can, you can understand it with the superior teams. Correct. But it's the teams who are on our level. So you'll see in this the Nations League yeah. thing where it's we're in Group B. Against all those teams in Group B, Martin O'Neill will decide. roll the dice. He'll de- but he'll decide. Mm. They're on our level but we're not good enough to beat them. We'll play yeah. in a certain way. Only the p- teams yeah. maybe below that will mm-hmm. he come out and yeah. uh, when he has to yeah. but you know I actually think because we're in a, a, a group B situation where we're playing all these things I think we'll be playing that game every game now. oh well, it was shot over there so the football is not too far off what we're tra- going to be annoyed because we're playing teams who we think we should be not necessarily we're convinced we're going to win but we, we should be competing and we should be on a level with them yeah. and we're going to be at home playing like an away team and we're going to be going away to playing like in a way like, and we can do it in our sleep at this stage that's why I'd love to see him trying it up a little bit and I think that's what the obsession is with Hulin it's not necessarily because we think he's such a good player it's the type of player that he is almost he's the t- he, he, I think that's why we all clamber to get him in the team because we know we'll play a little bit of football if he's playing team. we know that's an indication yeah. that we're going to try and yeah. go at it that's yeah. what it is and I think it's, it's not necessarily the fact that he is the answer it's the type of player that he is and I think that's the massive obsession with the debate every time even on Monday before the game started Hulan has to play Hulan has to play sadly are going bananas going if he's not here because of fitness like he was not one bit happy about it and he was talking about O'Neill and of course we're going to go to Martin O'Neill yeah he played 78 minutes we're not going to play him he's a bit tired yeah. and I was like alright fair enough but so he, we're he, going to suck he, the he did make a good point yeah. that if he says that that it's poor management Yeah. He, so he basically blamed that he played in the match beforehand yeah. and he couldn't play two games in a row. Yeah. Why play him then against Moldova yeah. for a full game? Yeah, correct. So, but obviously he had no interest in playing that, that style against Wales, which is, is a bit sad for us. But that, he wouldn't say that. Yeah, but that's exactly he what He wouldn't say, is. well, this is the team that I think was going to go yeah. out and get the result. Yeah, and that, I think that's where I was trying to get at last week, kind of with the whole Hula thing. I, I, because I look at him going, I'm looking at a decent footballer here, lads, but he's not the Messiah. But maybe it's the obsession with getting him in the team because we know we're going to play a style of football that's a little bit like what we want to see. But at the same time, I'm going to say it, I think Harry Arthur can play that way. 
he's a decent footballer he showed one or two little instances where he was quite comfortable on the ball against Wales but he had no options and it's like even when Hula plays when he does as I said I give out about was he goes left and he does all these circles he's dizzy he's but looking. it's because there's no options yeah, yeah. because the fullbacks are jeez I'm not looking for that or wingers are, why, it's unfortunately we play that style so much that when we try and play football when Hula's in we can't even do it what I said there last week about Ireland sitting back and how they play it and I don't feel that they're good enough to mm. play that. They played against Wales, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And about 20 yards out, out wide, likes of Woodbourne, who came on, would, would get the ball, was getting acres just to get across yes. in. Deliver the ball, go on, see what happens. Now, that's fine. And everyone's talking about how... A professional player how, with time will put it exactly where he wants to exactly. put it. Exactly. We had Duffy and Clark who, who were outstanding. Yeah. But then again, they played to Duffy and Clark's strengths. Oh, yeah. You know, pick the, kick the ball in the air. Brilliant. And that we'll goes to show naivety right. of Wales. Like, they have a superstar. That's all they are. They're an incredibly ordinary team, but they have a superstar that can spray it. He'll do nothing for 89 minutes, but then he'll put one in the top corner. Job done. They walk away 1-0. Yeah. But take him out of the game. They're a very ordinary team. They're you're basically you're Ireland. Ireland. You're Ireland. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the way it was. Yeah. And you think Coleman would have stood up and said, will you stop pumping it anywhere near Duffy? He'd be still winning them now this morning if they were still at And for 90 minutes, they had nothing else. They had no other option. Yet they're much better than us and they're much this. And uh, we're in it. We're in the mix. I wouldn't be too fearful of pretty much most of them. Obviously, everyone's clamoring around Croatia and I have to agree. I think the way they play, they'll find gaps, they'll find holes, no matter what, against us. Um, Switzerland, I think their record will hide. Like, same thing. I think Switzerland probably did what we would like to do. They probably rolled the dice against the level. Above, like, they've won nine out of ten and didn't qualify. It's a kick. But they the, mightn't be that great. Yeah, it's a kick in the nuts, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, incredible. To win I nine. Have, I, I don't think I've ever seen it where somebody has that record and doesn't qualify. Unreal. You know? Like, if we won nine. And, and they could easily go to the playoffs. You know, end up with Sweden or, or even us and Northern Ireland. Like, they're not easy games. No. No. They're not easy games. Easy. Uh, Italy, yeah. Italy or Italy, you know. They'll probably find a way and this, that and the other, but you know, they won't they won't like us. Denmark seems seems to be the favourites what everyone fancies to be honest. Um they're an uneven side and hopefully we would have a, a decent shot. But look, we're in we're in the mix. Um but for the next campaign, like would you like to see Martin O'Neill stay on? Would you like to see someone else come in? I, I wanted to see someone else come in because we're personally we're at the change in the guard, I think, a little bit with our team again. There's a couple more that are going to be put to the wayside. Like, obviously, O'Shea is gone. and I think Whelan's gone. I think there's one or two who need to be looked at. Even Long, we need to be a bit bold and give the likes of your Maguires and Hogan's a go. Because Long, I have no problem with him playing as long as he's somebody with him. Because he's not our goal scorer. And if he's playing on his own, we're going to do exactly what we did last week and in a lot of other games. Hopefully get that one chance and nick yeah. it. And I think more if often than not, you're not going to nick it. I think if you're, not play, if you're playing Long or playing one up front, yeah. you need to have... One or two attacking midfielders backing yeah, up. Have to. Have to. You know, you have Myler there who'll mm-hmm. sit and he'll do a great job. Mm-hmm. When you we'll lose the ball, up. yeah, close it up. But you don't, you don't, it doesn't have to be always on the edge of your 18-year-box. I don't think it was a directive from O'Neill. But look at the way he came to the far of the Euros. And Ireland were quite attacking in that tournament, which is incredible. But he really kind of came to our, they, It's in them. This is what annoys me. This kind of... No, it doesn't have to be flary kind of real fancy football just a little bit more the lads are up for it and we're gonna we're, we're going for a win but we're being a bit cautious I've no problem with that 
mm-hmm. because we can't be too over, overflowing with, uh, with football because we're still a bit vulnerable. As great as we think we are in the back line, we're still vulnerable. We're still a bit Liverpool. Like There is gaps. The way we let people in through the middle is scary when there's certain people in there. So yeah. we have to be cautious, but at the same time, Hold on to the ball a little bit longer. Yeah, you're Have capable. A, they're professional they're footballers. Professional football. You'll see them go out now play yeah. for Burnley or yeah. whoever it is, and they're well able to knock a ball around. So yeah, there's no excuses. So it does come down to, like Mourinho on Manchester United yeah. yesterday, it comes down to what the coach is asking yeah. them to do, and you have to play to that. And fair enough, you have to play yeah. to that. And have we got into a playoff? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Exactly. But he has a little bit of luck. In mm. fairness, certain results went for him as well. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so... Yeah. We had How many attacks did we have We didn't have many attacks Did we in the, in the whole game You know I think we had Robbie Brady, Brady tried to cross a shot From a shot. crazy angle He had no right to do it And Murphy's sitting in there The whole point of Murphy Is his aerial ability And it was a crazy angle And he had to go And you mentioned it last week And I thought about it more And then I seen more of it Is In, in play Brady's Hasn't been impressive Yeah He's got the left foot that's vital and we kind of have to have him around but he, he's kind of given up a position I think he isn't playing all that well but oh you can put one in from a free kick and, but we're not, we're not up there to get a free kick in the first place no, no. Uh, Robbie Savage oh yeah Robbie Savage uh, got slated on Twitter <laughs> he, he, tr- he threw up a couple of tweets and I'll just read them out uh, Robbie Savage terrible goal to concede but what a finish it was good luck to Ireland in the playoffs Martin O'Neill proving when it counts uh, he produces then he wrote up good for Chris team gave him everything over the campaign but we must say well done to Martin O'Neill he got his team spot on tonight and then he wrote I think it was about an hour later I was in Ireland a few weeks back and people hammering Martin O'Neill wonder what they're saying tonight and a little gesture of an yeah. a, a emoji and he got slated by people. Jeez, you've opened the gates of hell there, mate. Oh, absolutely, because <laughs> do, do you remember um, he, before that? Oh, she was giving out about the the panel. He was watching, yeah, he was watching the early game from the hotel because he was he was promoting air sport or whatever. And didn't he kind of? Well, I can't remember exactly what. He oh, said. he was having a go at Dumphy. Yeah, who is this guy? Yeah. What does he know? And 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 what have you? He says. You were in Ireland, this is from uh, actually this fella called Monkstown BC in Dublin. He says, You were in Ireland a few weeks ago and you also said not one of the Irish players will get into the Wales squad. So, what are you talking about? You should be a bit more disappointed instead of being all nicey nicey yeah. to your buddy and pal, which is what footballers do. So, in other words, you're talking. Yeah. B. And instead of being a bit of Kriegel alert team, a lot of them are very bitter. Yeah. A lot of them were very bitter. The media weren't. The yeah. media weren't. There was very no happy kind of all. the next day going. Jesus Wales let themselves down. Coleman sh- very disappointing performance. Blah blah blah. They no plan B. They no plan. There was nothing. It was all like oh, I was terrible the way Ireland played. And this was terrible. Yeah, that's not fair now. And blah. It's all what was me like. And I was like, no. You just need to look at yourselves. You were very disappointing in this campaign. But then again, that was their level. They believe one tournament, and all of a sudden they think they're they're there with the rest. You know, everything fell their way in that qualification. And plus, they had their magic man pulling the strings. If he doesn't pull the strings, they're a very ordinary sight. And they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be shocked. No. Sam Vokes, boring, ordinary. Robson Canu, boring, ordinary. Not that great, but oh, he scored a, a wonder goal against Belgium. So he's obviously... No, Shane Long did it once against Germany and he hasn't done it since. It, it, you get your little moment in the sun once in a blue moon, but you're still just an honest, ordinary footballer. and works hard. Don't be shocked. The Independent in Wales said eight years ago the Republic of Ireland had a World Cup playoff stolen from them. Yeah. Last night they stole one back. 
Yet unlike Thierry Henry's handball in Paris in 2009, <laughs> this was l- less gl- grand larceny and more armed burglary, a textbook heist, an objection, uh, object lesson. Did during the 90 minutes for them to think that they robbed them. Because like, they had one good header where Randolph made a great save. That was it. Where did I finish this? Go for it. Ireland, technically limited, missing some of their best players and underwhelming for much of the qualifying campaign are two matches away from Russia next summer. Wales, gifted, garlanded and boasting one of the best players in the game will be watching player. on television. One player. Talk, talk about bigging yourselves up yeah. when you're not really that big. No. You're listening to Liffey Sound... On 96.4 FM. And welcome back. You're listening to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. On the line, we are absolutely delighted to have an Irishman who is playing his trade in Sweden of all places. Marco Sullivan is a UEFA A coach who works with AIK and he is also a district coach educator for the Swedish FA in the Stockholm area. Mark, welcome to the big kickoff. Oh, thank you for having me. It's Cheers. a pleasure. Great. Listen, Mark. There's a bit of a distance between Cork and Stockholm. So <laughs> could you take back how you got there and then how you ended up coaching with AIK? Um, well, I came in 1994 to visit friends that I studied with in university. Right. Um, the idea was I was just coming for three weeks. And <laughs> now I'm here 23 years. And it was <laughs> that's just basically it was just not planned. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing else to it. And um I've like my two main passions in my life that came through my family were music and sport. Right. So I've always I've been lucky to be involved in both things. Is it uh, is one of the reasons why you went out because of the music? Or, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, just go somewhere else. All right. <laughs> pre pre Celtic Tiger. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just you know I had the opportunity to go. I had a free gaff to stay in over just outside in a place called Uppsala, just north of Stockholm, and uh, I just took the opportunity and hung out a bit, and you know, and three weeks became three months, became three years, became twenty three years, and um, the coaching came because of an accident I guess I, I started a, a, a soccer club here with um, some expats uh, that, that we just met socially and we used to play football once a week and we, then we built a club and what club we used called, went all the way up. yeah called what we called and the, and the club went all the way up to, this is in Stockholm went all the way up to Division 3 but while I was playing there was some one of the it was a Dutch guy playing with us was coaching some kids and he said do, you want, do I want to come along and help and I said yeah yeah so I started and then within a month he left so I was left on my own right. looking after about 22 <laughs> 16 year olds and I'm like oh god so I, I just started well, doing the coach education courses and and uh, here in Sweden and, uh, I think it was five years ago I got my UFA great and what was your what was your coaching background when you had started the, the, the football club Zero. Um, limited. Yeah. <laughs> Extraordinarily limited. I came very late into coaching. I think it's just like moving to Sweden was never planned and neither was me becoming a coach, but I'm always interested in learning, whether it was music or sport. Or, you know, I was always interested in how people learned and why and what motivated us to learn. What's the best environments for learning? How can we create them? I've always been interested in that, either through music or through sport. So. I guess it just manifested itself in, in coaching. Right. There's um, one of the reasons why we have you on is because after I heard you on the talent equation, 
which was excellent. Uh, it was excellent, by the way. Thank I, you. I thought about a story that we had talked about. It's actually a couple of months ago from Richard Dunn, and his thoughts yeah. were that Premier clubs were running their academies like machines. He said that in yeah. in Monaco, yes. in Monaco, they train once a week and play, and 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 mm-hmm. that's it. So, do you do you agree with that? Is that your experience too? Absolutely. I think he's, he's spot on there. Um, well, first of all, uh, we, what, when we're t- talking about child sport, we need to ask ourselves some serious questions. The first was, can you predict the future or do you know anyone else who can? Yeah. And that's a pretty clear answer to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the second one is, if, if, we, if we removed um, child youth sport, everything around it, burnt it to the ground and built it from zero on children's emotional and physical needs, would it look like it does today? Yeah. yeah, and the answer to that is no as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, they're very. These questions I regularly ask when I give talks or lectures or workshops at the beginning because I think they're very, they're simple questions, but they're very important. And uh, what we have is, I think, in many most academy uh, uh, academy environments, is is like it's like some old conveyor belt. I don't know if you've ever seen the old films where you have thousands of people working on a conveyor belt just you know, yeah. hammering stuff and yeah it's like spelled it's like this tailorism this kind of conveyor belt reductionist approach and that's basically what it is and we're just exchanging children like spare spare parts so you're not good enough now you know you're you're nine now you're not good enough, <laughs> you haven't good developed. enough yeah. so there's a better guy across the road we're taking him in instead we do we do see that an awful lot here in ireland with kids if you're not in premier by under 13 you're nearly a, a gunner you know so yeah. which is which is nonsense because everyone's at their own level and, and their body changes yeah. you know everyone's capacities and structures develop non-linear hmm. at their own rate and, yeah. and this I think it's quite arrogant of adults to think like this about children to be honest with yeah. you I, I don't really understand it it's an incredible arrogance and disrespect I was I was reading uh, the ECA report on youth academies in Europe and the majority of clubs up to the age of 12 train three times per week plus a match Ajax yeah. three times Barcelona three Inter four Zagreb four I could go through the whole lot of them Lons Lisbon three uh, mm. so when you take that out of the and you look at Ajax as well what and, and they do something similar uh, what's right and what's wrong I mean uh, how much training no, the, the fact is uh, it's far too complex to ask what's right and what's wrong yeah mm. um, maybe we should ask Seamus Coleman how many tra- t- times a week he trains soccer or Gaelic football and I'm quite sure he trained Gaelic football far more yeah yeah and I, I, I read an interview with Shane Long and he was a similar he trained more hurling than soccer so it's it really is like a sport that has uh, that is basically you you don't reach your level until after maturity. You don't reach your peak level until after maturity. Now we're in such with this race to the bottom of selecting five and six year olds is is just insane because we can't tell anything until after peak maturity. That can be anything between seventeen and twenty one. Yeah. So I I don't I don't know. There is no answer. It's far too complex. There's 
you know, we 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 have academies and coaches saying that you know learn to dribble like Messi, and then you just see thousands of cones, you know, like some form of cone, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not a cone, cone on the pitch, porn. <laughs> cone porn, <laughs> and, and just learn to dribble like Messi. But really, did Messi learn to dribble dribbling in and out of cones? You know? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so there's just too many myths and too many people think to have a, there isn't there's no silver bullet to anything yeah. just to go on that no. mark as you were saying like uh, that the, they're going at them as young as five and six and seven and eight at this stage obviously watching football as a fan we're involved in kind of coaching over the years and obviously watching now like there's the less and less technical players is it because they're taking in almost too early and following this manual instead of going out there and learning these skills that even the likes of Messi and Ronaldo have they would have learned them on the streets as you know yeah yeah is um, like the game is. Have you heard the, the, the interview with Damien Duff? Yeah, uh, the, uh, the street on um, what's your man Graham, the big the big interview that uh, the um, what's the, Hunter, the, the English guy who Graham, Graham Hunter, Hunter, yeah, Hunter. yeah, and it's a lovely story. Is Damien Duff has told the Chamber Rovers to go out and coach the wingers. And he says he just goes out there and he goes, okay, and he said he's no idea what to do <laughs> because he himself <laughs> was so implicit. Yeah, his his how he developed his skills were really implicitly learned. Yeah, and. This is a thing. We're, I've I've been doing a lot of work now with the Canadian FA, helping them develop their coach education curriculum. And what I've done with a wonderful man called Jason Devos, who's really brilliant to work with over there. He, we're removing we're moving away from teaching and speaking about learning. Hmm. So there's this kind of concept that the coach is the fountain of all knowledge, and I'm going to teach you how to dribble, and I'm going Correct. to teach you how to pass. But how how people dribble and pass and control it's very personal. I was just about to say you know, that it's it, it's a feeling, isn't it? It's how it, how does it feel for you? Yeah, and try it a different personal. way. And you never and you and, and why do we? You know, the, the biggest cause of injury among children is repetition. Mm-hmm. Why do we repeat the same move with children? That is that is highly stupid and dangerous. Yeah. And they keep saying that oh, you know, we have to we have to have that's how they learn to pass a ball. But that's one way of passing it, and you never pass the ball the exact same way twice in a game anyway. So there's a lot of and, and that's when you go back to we're not maybe people say oh why don't, we're not developing tech I don't it's not we're developing very technical players but not skillful players sorry yeah that's probably the, the, the right word I'm using them yeah. kind of not ma- mavericks but guys who you know are just that naturally yeah. technique not, is the biomechanics yeah, yeah. skill is the is the biomechanics with decisions awareness and taking in information and we're, we're, we're reducing the training environment and removing the information I, I come from a very ecological dynamics view of how we work and that's the relation it's the player environment relationship and we're removing the environment and we're just having the player in an isolated context with actually mm. no meaning and we think they're learning and they're not really yeah of course it's like some form of conditioning of course they get short-term results but in the long term you wonder why, you know, why isn't the kid looking up? Yeah, because you've been, you've been looking at cones all day long. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it just it sounds so stupid. Then, How many it? cones would you bring to the training pitch now, Mark? Cones? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I don't, I don't know. It depends. I might have to mark out. <laughs> mark, I, just, I, I use them for boundaries. And that's it? And that's it. Or just you have cone goals you dribble through or you, you create zones. Nothing else, really. I, I, I I don't see the benefit in, in them, you know. I've never seen any anyone tackled by a cone yet, have you? True, true. <laughs> I've seen one. I've seen one. He went snot in his face. Although the early whales came there, you were... <laughs> um, We have a, a high-performance director here in Ireland, Rude Doctor. Do you know him or have you heard of him? Uh, I don't know him, no. Okay, and he has, he has changed. He's put out a, a sort of a... 
a map of what way Irish football is going to go. One of them is a weighted football. Uh, all age groups have, they're all size five footballs, but they're weighted for uh, each under eights to under tens, under tens to under twelves, and, and what have you. And he also tried to, wanted to try and implement, this hasn't come in yet, but maybe because he, he realised it was a stupid idea, that every 11 aside team had to play 4 3 3. Oh, yeah, that's great. No. <laughs> Does that. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It's worrying. Yeah, it's not worrying. The weighted football. I, I know that Germany used weighted footballs and uh, decided to go back to the regular size fours and fives again. What, what way did, are, are the footballs over in Sweden? Know, well, you know what? When I heard that, I always think, who's making money from this? Yeah. 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 And that's the first question I ask. If somebody's putting something in like this, there's somebody making something somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, that I don't know, but I don't, I don't see the point of that. I, I, I don't know. It's just another thing to put in to make it look like you're doing something. I, I think it is because it's, it's, it, the first uh, first thought I had was, well, why would you give a, a little six-year-old or seven-year-old a size five football to try and reach up and do his skills when obviously a smaller ball that's in uh, perspective to his height. It's something that he would need. So yeah, I don't, I don't really understand the thought. I would, I, I am checked to see if there's any science around it. There's actually no research or science available that I found. So I, yeah. I don't know what evidence this is based on. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. And this with four three three, yeah, of course. But but I, why are we focusing on getting? children to play a system when really we should be te- helping them learn the principles of the game yeah. you know the principles of when we create width depth you know our body profile positioning how to be you know open passing lanes and how to close space how to open space how to identify space these are the essential principles and then really once you have the principles then you, we have players that can adapt to 4-3-3-4-4-2-3-4-3-3-5-2 and that's what we really need we yeah. don't you know, this this one size fits. That's kind of more one size fits all structure that has been promoted. I have a feeling, Mark, that if the three five two, which is coming into play now, if that had been in fashion then, three five two would have been thrown in. I don't think there was too much talk behind it. Yeah, um, probably. But but the it, yeah, I agree with you, maybe. And but I think it's all about principles. Yeah. Let kids learn the principles. Create design learning environments where kids can. Search for information, discover, exploit, and use, and learn the principles. And then, whatever formation you want, they learn to adapt to as they get older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what What do you think is wrong with the? I'll just say English academies because mostly it is them that they need to fill their academies with young European kids while the rest of Europe develop their own. Um. Well, I think what's wrong with academies in England from my knowledge and I've met some people who work there there's some good work there's some people really trying to do good stuff mm. Nick Levitt is in England is really the NFA is really trying to push some issues around children's football in a very positive way um, are they is it are they developing supporters are they, you know are they recruiting supporters yeah. future supporters I don't know yeah. um, I did an article in my blog about where I referred to Fulham were having um, a talent ID day for five year olds and 
parents had to fill in a form what was the chosen, what was the preferred position of their child. <laughs> and, and basically, I have, a, I have a five-year-old. His preferred position is in the middle of a load of Lego. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I asked Fulham this, like, can he play? <laughs> That's his preferred position. Will he supply Lego, you know? So... <laughs> That's that's really what's wrong, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's what's wrong. And th- then they said they said, but other people, you know, other clubs do it. And, you know, that's that's mm. like I said, that's really childish. You know, if my daughter wants to stay out late and I say you're not, and then she says, oh, all my other friends are staying out late. Yeah. You know, just, uh, that's what's really is wrong. Is there a lack of thought behind it? Is There's it, a lack of. It's I don't know what it is. And it's it's I know that they're questioning it now, and there was some revealing articles of the Guardian about suicide suicides among young players that were rejected from the academy system and mm. and then um there's howard wilkinson who in, who started this is is asking for the whole thing to be reviewed now which is very positive and very big of him i think yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. there are some really good people working with children's football and really talented people it's just that i think the the norms that are created around what children's sport is is actually um limiting how they work and how they, you know. We must remember one thing about child sport. Sometimes children, child sport is just children playing sport, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. and it's, the, it's re- really the, this adultification. Yeah, like is, especially... Is just, it's just getting ridiculous. Especially with professional clubs. Is that, yeah. are, are you thinking they're taking the fun element out of it for kids, especially seven and eight-year-olds? Like, they're seven and eight. Yeah. Is, is would you be without us not being on the training ground? Is it fairly safe to say there's probably little or no fun with them on the training? Say in in Liverpool or United or wherever it may be, it's very much professional from the get go, from the coaching um, side of things. I, I would assume, and um, I did. Uh, there was some guy from Bleach Report asked me my opinion on some five year old who was on. He's he's five, or just going six, and he's training with Liverpool, Man United, Man City, and Everton. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean the guy is starting a professional career. Yeah, you yeah. know that's 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 he's building up for performance anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's just from kind of talking now, and it's kind of a realization. Like you see, especially us watching a lot of English football, you see a lot of these young players who are eighteen, nineteen, and they're full of promise, and we have them as the next big thing. And by twenty-one or twenty-two, you kind of go, "Do you remember him?" And what some of the would some of the reasons be that they're just burnt out now because they're they're in from six year, six years of age and. They can't see out. Yeah, well, a, a pr- that's proper... where the evidence is going. The evidence yeah. is very, very clear mm. in the research work done um, that there we have there is many psychological problems. Burnout mm. um, is a big one. Injuries, of course, as I said, mm. we're we're having eleven and twelve years with their ACLs going. Yeah. Um, you know, hip problems. You know, we're forcing seven-year-olds to open their hips to pass the ball with the inside of their foot. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just insane stuff to yeah. be doing. Um, it's like, again, we're back to this one-size-fits-all repetition of movement that is causing real problems when really the best way of learning anything in a sport is what I refer to is repetition without repetition. It's kind of repeating movements with variation. And that's, you know, in the context of a, of a game or a small game or a play context, that's what children do and that's how they learn, you know. And, and there's very clear evidence that this is a worrying factor. There's a great report by the um, International 
was Olympic Committee did a consensus report on youth athlete development and they refer to this about the psychological burnout and the injuries due to basically the race to the bottom you have to start them early uh, otherwise you fall behind yeah and this is yeah this is sadly I don't know maybe it's this this the X factor generation maybe it's this neoliberal individualism that is consuming us maybe yeah it's all tied into this complex mesh but um, something <laughs> needs to be done I think you know and yeah. we're trying our best here in Sweden where um, there's a lot of reflection going on it's it's it, it's it's hit the news it's six o'clock news discussions big polarization but um, now now the United Nations Charter of Human Rights of Children is the ground for the Swedish FA that's page one right well, so I, I read that's where we start I read one of the the uh, blogs that you had quite revolution starts to bring yeah, yeah. Noise. Um, what are AIK doing now that was different than what they were doing a, a couple well, of years well they used select as ACE okay um, their academy so now they've decided that they will not have a selection until at least 13 okay and that the idea we will keep those eight to thirteen year olds in their groups. Some those groups are often formed by school geography, um, and we will. Ha- in the club is investing more uh, money into coaches and into developing learning environments for all children mm. in those ages to keep basically the, the aim is as many as possible, as long as possible, as good as possible. Right. So very inclusive and of them. And then we're inclusive, but yeah. there is more resources being put into it. This is very like, it's this is, it's it's much harder to work this way because you're actually working with learning, not just with the, the present ability of a yes. child to perform. We're working with learning, and and you know, I, I often give this example of a kid that lives in the tenth floor of an apartment. His mother works all day, single mother. The other kid lives in the bottom floor. Two parents, good job, back garden. He's out playing every day. Those two kids turn turn up at football, which first day, seven years of age or eight, which one is going to be the best? Mm. Obviously, the guy who's got the opportunity and experience to play the game. But that does, we shouldn't disregard the potential of the other child. Yeah, Because these, these young kids that turn up at a training have a whole bibliography of experiences and opportunities that have been afforded to them. Yes, we just look at what they can do now, that second, and we judge that performance. Yeah, yeah. Which so, is a huge mistake we're making. Yeah. So what... If you look at, uh, say, look at Ireland, the technical ability is always talked about the players in Ireland and what, you know, we've got poor technical ability. What, what, what would your coaching be that, probably in Ireland, that we don't have? What, what do you think is the reason behind the technical, the well, lack of technical um, ability? I don't have, I have friends who work in Ireland and they agree with you, so I have to go by their opinion. Yeah. Mm. As I don't really, I'm not involved in coaching in Ireland. But one thing that I think about is that I think Ireland has an incredible, unique opportunity to develop very skillful players because of hurling, because of rugby, and because of Gaelic football as well. Yeah. And I think the real, um, the real DNA, if you want to use that, of Irish sport is multi-sport. Yeah. The, yeah. the opportunity to play all these sports at young ages can give so much to children and just because you're playing a lot of Gaelic football if you're 13 or 14 and playing a bit of soccer does not mean you can't become a top soccer player yeah you know and I think Ireland Ireland needs to embrace its uniqueness as opposed to 
we're back to separating stuff again now, you know. Yeah. It kind of saddens me when you see, somebody sent me, there was some soccer club in Dublin were having trials for eight-year-olds, whereas the GA club was welcoming all eight-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you've, tr- you know, and and I, I think we, I think Ireland needs to embrace that. It's a very unique situation. Um, yeah, well, a lot of the stuff that if I would use in air coaching would be, it'd be cover coaching, which would be a lot of pressure on a person on a ball as well as learning your basic skills and stuff like that but there'd be it'd be game related and as you said you've seen training sessions with cones and dribbling in now cones yeah. and stuff like that but with cover coaching it's all got to do with 1v1s 2v2s and stuff like that mm. so there's yeah I heard re- cover has gone away from the drill thing yeah. more to putting more context which is positive because I don't think that I've, for many years they weren't succeeding yeah yeah. and I, I think they've kind of moved away from this yeah so is that is that the kind of for you and your training sessions is that what you would look for you would look for uh so relative to the game that there, well, ha- there has to be yeah, pressure well i i'm i'm doing a phd at the moment um on creating learning environments for children in soccer um i've just started it actually and the idea is that i, I what i i, I base my work on what's called constraints based learning and um, it's underpinned by nonlinear pedagogy, which is the principles that are one would be representative learning design. Does it look and feel like a game? Like now, a classic one, say, of that would be if if you were, say, you're training six, we'll say, 16-year-olds now, they're a bit older, and you're working on attacking corners, you know? Yeah. It always the classic one is the coach just uh, loads of balls, loads of corners, attacking, 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 but there is no consequence in that yeah. because the, and then you wonder why their players don't recover if, if they don't you know win the ball so what would happen is let's say the defenders clear it then you must go into the next phase of play so there's a consequence yeah. the recovery to defend after not succeeding with the corner if you understand so yeah. that rep, that makes it more representative because yeah. it, rep, it feels and represents the game but also with younger kids some stuff similar um, well we wouldn't be working on corners with young kids of course no, but I just no. want to give an example so representative learning does it, does it, does it look like look and feel like a game uh, the coupling of perception and action that uh, the information that the young player is, is um, taking in is relevant to the game and yeah. he couples his perception and action and the action drives perception and the perception drives action this is how children learn to walk yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they crawl, are crawling. Um, they stand up at the table. There's new information, new perception, and they're goal orientated. So they learn to walk. If you if you ever film your children learning to walk, none of them look at their feet. Yeah. So this brings us to what I call external focus of attention. That the focus of attention is always external, not internal. And science is very clear in this that when with young kids, young learners, that if we focus them on their feet and parts of their body. And you must do, hold your leg this way and do that. That that actually inhibits learning. But if the intention is goal orientated, external, like pass between the gaps over there of the two players, you know, to the forward or whatever, or yeah. dribble between the gaps of two players, then that's that's a far better way of developing skill. So, would you be putting them in scenarios where, yeah, you're putting them in scenarios which are game like, but then some of the learning yeah. has to come from within themselves. You're not just kind of. This is all the information. That's all you need to know. You're putting some yeah, trust it's, into it's them. Self-organization. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The information. They self. Children are smarter than we think. You know. Correct. I, I see a lot of. I was working with some guy there last week. Uh, he was working with nine and ten year olds, and he was wondering why he couldn't get them to create wit and depth. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't really talk about wit and depth with them. 
let's talk about something else. So I said, okay, let's play these games. And I started manipulating the size of the pitch as the games went. 3v1, 4v2, 4v4, 3v2. And I asked him, is it easier, is it harder to defend a big space or a small space? And the kid said, yeah, it's harder to defend a big space. Okay, what does that mean when you have the ball? And they were like, oh, we should make the space big. So why do you make the space big? Because it's hard for them to defend. Kids <laughs> want to have the ball. So they're actually, lear- they're actually teaching themselves the answer yeah. rather than being exactly. told. Exactly, yeah. And you so remember a lot when- longer. Yeah, so just so just by the fact that they understand that it's harder to defend a big space, that, yeah, we want the ball, we have to make the space big. And they, they work out then how, so show me how you do it. So we create a game and they they show how it's done. And then when when it's done in the game, because what's very important is that we we need to work with young players who are developing a better understanding in the game, not of the game, in the game. Yeah. So when, the, when they start doing stuff in the game, that's when you can go in and work with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, FC Barcelona we've all never heard of them never heard of them <laughs> <laughs> we've, all, we've all melted over their football we've all melted over the players they have the style they've had uh, it's all intricate passing and is there a case with Barcelona though and it may be just now in the last year or two that we've seen it is it a case that they've developed these type of players that uh, it's I suppose there's no indivi- individualism to it that they're all kind of very similar although very high quality players mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of biting, biting them in the arse that if, if people are figuring out it's very easy to plan out now against Barcelona year after year uh, um, is, is it like is individualism of, of players being taken away from their coach? Um you know, well, actually, I was, I've, I've just spent a few days in Barcelona because I was presenting at, their, at the FC Barcelona Complexity Conference. Yeah. Uh, and I got to spend a whole day with Joan Vila, who's yeah. the head mm-hmm. of methodology there. And I think one of the, the misinterpretations around Barcelona is, is, is that it's all based, it's based on more than football. They have a lot of values. Yeah. And they, their whole youth team is to keep, they look at it not about develop, oh, of course they want to develop good players, but they look at it more as to keep their values alive. That's what they speak a lot about. Right. So if they don't use the word attack, they use in position, they've removed all military words from attacking, defending from, from their education. Okay. So they, they're working more with values and it's about keeping their game. It's their game. They speak about their game <laughs> and keeping their game alive. And if, if you're going to leave Messi 1v1, somebody is going to knock a ball 40 metres to Yeah. You know, they're capable of doing that, but it's just it's just how they play. Um, they, they've got certain principles. It's very interesting. I think it's... They, their whole football education is more than just football. It's a lot of values. And that's what's wonderful with Joan, because he played with... He played with Cruyff, he assisted Cruyff as a coach, and he coached Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi. Yeah. And this guy was showing us films of them as kids playing, and he was really crying and with joy because they were doing it a beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's about values. To be honest, most of it's been kind of hitting my... It's been kind of tapping me in the head every time when we're talking here and when you're listening to you. Like, Johan Cruyff's famous phrase, like, football is a simple game, but the hardest thing in football is keeping it simple. And obviously that's what we've got away from and obviously because yeah. there's a lot of money to be made in coaching nowadays. Yeah, and because it's a simple game, we, we forget that it's also a complex game with many mm. complex factors why kids 
perform, participate, and mm. we forget stuff like personal development among children. That's what, like Jones said, the driving factor for him in Barcelona is that football is such a wonderful tool for children to learn about life. Yeah. And that's, that's where he starts, you know? Mm. Yeah. So that's... Um, and, well, the players that emerge from here are, you know, there's... There's some very interesting footballers. They've given us some great joy. And as he said himself, the peak was this Guardiola was around 2008, 9, 10 era. That's when everything, Came you know, together. the perfect storm. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, what makes a good coach? <laughs> you, know, you, you know yourself, you have probably a couple of different types of coaches. You've got one coach who will uh, do exactly what we've been talking about there, you know, let, let kids figure out stuff themselves. You've got... Uh, or well, it's co- not letting kids, it's creating the environment for kids creating to the figure environment, out themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you Designing have, the environment. Yeah, you have other yeah. uh, coaches, I suppose, who will tell the child absolutely everything. But what actually makes a good coach? Uh, I think it's uh, you know what I think it's about relationships okay. I, yeah. I when I work with coaches if we're doing special camps I always say look we can have all our drills and our session design everything but you're going to a bunch of kids Yeah. You, uh, your job is to develop a relationship with every child and see that they develop relationships with each other Yeah. Yeah. and if you, if you achieve that you're going to have a fantastic a dynamic uh, environment for learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's how I would <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, maybe explain it. Yeah, and I think you just you have to have your personality is huge, isn't it? If you if you can't uh, yeah, well, if you can't, re- if you can't how relate with it. us, really. Yeah. So I think you have to have a certain knowledge about children's non-linear development. That yeah. you know, it's a biopsychosocial non-linear development. You have to respect that. And once you understand that and step back and you understand that it's their game, not yours, then yeah. it's quite a humbling experience, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's probably one of the biggest things, isn't it, for yeah. parents especially, that they kind of believe that the, they have to try to push them on to be... A, I see it so often now. They need to push on if you want to try and ever... Now is your time to be a, if you want yeah. to be a professional footballer. You know, instead but, of did you have fun? But that I'm going to, to play football. You know, so there's a lot of pressure from parents. Yeah, and this whole thing with professional football begins. At, you know, I, I don't know if I, if you read, I, I told a story in my blog about some parent that came to me one day and said, "My son needs uh, more, uh, better football training, more serious football training. He's really ambitious." Yeah. I said, "Well, your son's seven, <laughs> and." Uh, and he probably still believes in Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. you know? So and so I went to his son. I said, hey, you know, uh, do you want to go to the moon? And his son said, yeah. And I said, well, your son wants to be an astronaut. How are you going to solve that problem? <laughs> yeah, right and, you know, this is like every bloody child in the world wants to be messy, wants yeah. to be an astronaut, wants to be an Indian or wants to, I don't know, <laughs> be a postman or a milkman. Or, you know, it's like... Correct, yeah. And we just, we parents attach this as vital meaning to it that that's what they want and mm. I'm going to help them get that yeah you know and really let let them dream let them think about these things mm. but we we should not force any issues on this no. well listen Mark it's been an absolute pleasure uh, it, oh, t- it took I a lot it, okay. it took a long time to get you <laughs> 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 mainly there was a yeah. in the first place but uh, 
Uh, keep in touch and hopefully we'll have a chat again. Okay, thank you. Okay, been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Mark. Talk to you, Mark. Uh, bye. Bye. And that was Mark O'Sullivan who was with us on Friday. With a great interview, wasn't it? Ah, super. Great man. Great interview. And he know, certainly knows his football inside out. Uh, Cork man as well. So it was good to get someone uh, from Cork. Yeah, they always keep their opinions to themselves as well, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark has a great uh, football blog. It's called uh, footblogball.wordpress.com and there's so many different and, and it gets very, it can get very analytical about the, and, and very easy as well to, to read, but the, the, sto- the stories and uh, I suppose the blogs that he writes, they're in tune with a coach's mind. And if yeah. anyone out there who's really interested in coaching and wants to, I suppose, not just to open up your mind, but to think about coaching in different ways, it's a great blog to listen mm-hmm. to. So footblogball.wordpress.com. Uh, and if you ever want to get in touch with Mark, it's mark.kiss at gmail.com. He's actually in Derry for a, a talk on the 6th of November and I will get more details on that if anyone wanted to go up and I think I, I'm not sure who it's with but I'll, I'll send on details I'll put it we'll up put on our Facebook page, page. and uh, we, we'll have a little talk about that but we'll also have Mark uh, we have an, a, we- a website coming up soon uh, hopefully in the next month that the website will be up live and Mark is going to put his blog on that and uh, we will have a few different blogs on it and we'll have a few different people up on the website so we're looking forward to that okay firstly we will go to an ad break Um, welcome back to Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. It's the big kickoff. Again, 0870627138 if you want to text in. Breaking news. Yes. Big Sam has ruled himself out of Scottish Jobs. He job. ruled himself out, so we just <laughs> talked about nothing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he backs Davy Moyes. Yeah, well, they're, I think they're all pals. Anyhow, him, Ferguson and all uh, them, so they're going to... Yeah, the little hurrying. Big yeah. Maybe David needs a job more yeah. than Sam. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Uh, anything else, Dave? Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher, yeah. Exactly. Where is he now? As we all know, unfortunately, the sad situation he is, but there's little rumours coming out because they keep it very quiet. Is He has a ranch in Texas, and the rumours are that there is potential, there's experts out there who think they can do something for him, how much to improve. But as I said, it's very vague, the reports, but there's talk of him being kind of flown out to Texas and that they're going to try some surgery to potentially improve what his situation is. Nothing. No one knows. No one knows the situation. Knows the situation very are. closed. Very strange. Not a picture. Not a, a leaked bit of information in sight. There was a couple of pictures of him leaked by somebody a year or two ago, but they never came out. They managed to keep it quiet. So, to how bad it is, or is he literally just on a machine? No idea. No clue. But there, there's one or two stories, one or two news outlets we're bringing out today that there's rumours that he's been uh, transported to Texas for some potential surgery to remote. What to do? Not sure. Okay, but uh, it's a terrible sad situation. It's about three or four years now at this stage. But in the show, I mean, people, say, oh, if you go skiing, it's dangerous. If you yeah. do this, it's dangerous. And you don't think about it until yeah. actually someone 
it yeah. happens to yeah. someone. Yeah. And he's he's one of these people that has everything on the plate, has yeah. all the money, has you know the life yeah. and everything yeah. and like that. Boom, gone. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Um, life. So you never know. It'd be nice if it's it's a bit of good news and to hear something. But yeah, very cloak and dagger. But that's the rumor, and that's what's kind of coming out this morning. A few news outlets, as I said, uh, massive shock yesterday in the. European rugby's back, obviously. Oh yeah, um, cracking game between Leinster and Montpellier. Um, very much to and fro, but um, Leinster came up with the goods. Also came up with the goods. Connacht as well, but Krasnyar, Russian club Krasnyar, Russia are obviously on the up, trying to make a, a, a good fist of rugby. Yeah, uh, shocked uh, Stade Francais, thirty-four twenty-nine. Where was that? In Russia. Oh, within Russia. Was yeah, it? they were at home. And it, um, yeah, Stade Francais, well-known club, obviously. Top 14 rugby is massive and so competitive. So even though they're in the, the kind of lower tier, they'd still be strong because as top 14 is so much money in it and they have a lot of the best of world rugby in there at the moment. Um, so a massive result for them. But obviously, I presume Russia are throwing a good fist of money at it as well. Like um, only have one or two teams they can really kind of go and go try and get it, yeah. some of the best of the rest. So yeah. it was a great result. And, you know, another emerging nation coming in, into rugby. And the Ruff- Russians are never short of money. So they'll always, they'll always oh, yeah. be able to back this. If any, anyone gets a slight bit of interest, you know, they're in the game oh, straight huge. away. Huge. Uh, Maria Shower and Prova has reached her first final since the ban. Well, do you know what? My phone just buzzed. She won the final. <laughs> Cutting edge. You Not just don't beat edge. this. <laughs> cutting edge. Coming to you live. On the bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so, yeah, so, fair deals. So she's she's back up. on the trail now. And uh, actually, it says it here, I'm actually looking at it. She wins her first WTA title since her return from ban. Um, Pochettino has revealed... Uh, some ambition to manage England a lot of them say that yeah. did they just throw that out there and say well if I do get sacked from somewhere there's another option there yeah. I'm at my peak so I'll make my interest known uh, the English are brave honest and aggressive and the good ones want to add to their game there you go well, he's talking about the players he has of course he does and he's making the most of them so uh, yeah so that's that anyway let's talk local or have you got something else no the, yeah, the, the Esker Box Cup is on yeah, the and if you look Cup. around Luke and Village um, last two days yeah here in Dublin if you look around the village as you said Dave you've seen it yeah I was down the village yesterday about five o'clock and uh, I was at the lights and over one side you could see a group of people and they're all wearing the same kind of hoodies and you look over and then it's I can't remember what box team it was Citadel was one of them um, then over the other side there was another group heading to one of our establishments probably for food and a few drinks or whatever but there was there was bodies everywhere and then they were in the queue in the shop when I was buying a bottle of wine for the wife uh, Nova Scotia was on the bag so yeah. it was a Canadian girl yeah. who obviously was fighting she looked like you wouldn't mess with her so yeah. I didn't I just let her be and uh, it's great to see why do you normally do that do you normally go around <laughs> no but like <laughs> if they're not boxers yeah actually yeah, soon as I say, yeah. do you want to fight um, but it's great to see it's great yeah. to see so many different nationalities yeah. I've seen English uh, teams around obviously there's Canadians there's Dutch there's a whole load of them around there's 15 14 15 nations that's come over that have come over and are buzzing around the town yeah spending their money yep. so all the local uh, businesses are yep. getting the money in so really and truly all these businesses and if you are listening out there all these businesses should be getting up and helping out with the Esker Box Cup because this is generating money yep. and this is something that's big and it's, it's not good enough if people don't start helping each other yep. around the town 
And this is one of the big things. Yeah. This is one Massive. of the big things that we have. And it's it the is. biggest one in the world. Yeah. Female, all female boxing competitions, the biggest one in the world. So get out there and help Esker Boxing Club maintain this, keep it going. And it's great just to have them people around the place. Yeah. And we're going down to it today. Yeah. We're going to go down and have it. It's a final day today. Yeah, and we're day. going down to have a look and we'll have, we have a talk to a few people. Hopefully we get, you know, the Canadians and the Dutch and we have a little interview with them. But this won't happen unless the people around Luke can support each other. Especially the boss couple support from you. From you su- yeah, you support them. They're all staying up in the spa hotel and the, yeah. the B&Bs and all. So all the hotels, local hotels sold out. Anyone who can help out then, Esker, and their plight now is to try and get their clubhouse up and going. If that keeps working, the box cup keeps working, your business keeps working. So it's simple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian Clough. Oh, yeah. The Iron. No, oh, this is the famous story about the iron, him and Stuart Pierce. I think we play play this before we go. What a character. He had everything. Like he was he was kind, he was rude, <laughs> yeah. he was arrogant, yeah. he was brilliant. He like what a personality and what like, I was fortunate enough to meet him a few times, but there's loads and loads of stories about him. And I gotta tell you this, Jim. Mark Crosley told me this, he was in the room. It's it, it's out it's, it's this is a lesson for any footballer. Stuart Pearce gets picked for England, right? So he's asked Pearcey, when can he get back after the game? It was a Tuesday night game. When can he get back in time for training? Yeah. So he said Thursday, four o'clock. Thursday? Thursday? So he, Thursday comes along, he calls a meeting, gets all the players in the dressing room, and he puts a towel down on the floor and a football on it. He always used to put a towel on the floor with the ball, and he'd kick the ball off the towel and say, that's when we play with the ball on the floor. So he puts the pl- he comes in with a plastic bag. There was obviously something heavy in the bag, and he puts the ball on the towel. And now he walks back to the back of the dressing room and he says, "Young man, to Stuart Pearce, how do you think you played for England in midweek?" He said, "I done all right." He said, "I didn't think so. <laughs> I thought you were shocking." <laughs> what do you think, lads? And they all, nobody said anything. So he's so he's gone. Uh, well. Our captain, lads, is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pacey said, what do you mean? He goes, well, on last week's programme, page nine, bottom left corner, there's an advert in there, Stuart Pearce Electrics. Explain, what, what's that? <laughs> he said, well, what, I, when I was playing non-league, we had electric, electrical family business, and I was just trying to keep the business going. Lads, our captain's a fraud. <laughs> He said, what do you mean? He said, well, if my Barbara rings that number, are you going to answer it if her light bulb's gone in her house? He said, no, it'd be my brother. Well, you're a fraud then, son, because it says you'll come. And if if you're any good at that, he opens the bag, takes the bag over to him, takes an iron out of the bag. My Barbara's iron is broken. <laughs> Fix it by Saturday or you're not playing. Walked out. <laughs> <laughs> so Pierce's fixed the iron. He's fixed it and put it on his desk Saturday he morning to, the iron. Yeah, to make sure he played. That's how you get your feet back on the ground. It's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> I love the way Dean Saunders talks, uh, tells the stories. He's a fraud. <laughs> uh, okay, listen. We've had a great show today. We're going to go down to the Esker Box Cup, as we've said. So we're on our way out. Pat is in next. 